with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here joining us in studio now, as he has many times, Rob Roper, who writes columns now behind the lines. Rob Roper on Vermont Politics. Uh, good morning, Rob. Morning, guys. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. How was yours? It was wonderful. It was, well, Were you at a, little, home? a little bit of bittersweet. We spent uh, Thanksgiving here in Vermont, and then we went to uh, New York to visit my daughter uh, for a couple of days. But it's the first Thanksgiving. My son's on the West Coast and with his first job outside of college, and he wasn't able to come home. So our first oh, first, that's the first Thanksgiving part. without uh, without my boy. Um, and yeah. that was the bittersweet, but he's doing really well out there, so we're we're very proud. So you got your fill of turkey and oh yeah, we did the traditional. We did the turkey and the stuffing and the and the yeah. sweet potatoes and all that stuff. Oh, and then the leftovers after and oh, bit. still had leftovers the last two nights and probably have them tonight too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, let's get into some of the, the latest columns by Rob Roper. And again, the Mackenzie Country Classic Hotline, of course, is always open. Triple eight four one four zero three zero three. If you have a question for Rob, give us a call. Uh, one of your last couple of, of articles was touch on both of them. It, the one was entitled two new studies show Vermont renewable energy policy is all cost, no benefit for ratepayers." And if you could talk about that a little bit, cause you also mentioned the, um, the big benefit claim is based on what you call a fiction wrapped in a fib called the social cost of carbon. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I've, I've been watching this, uh, renewable energy standard working group. Uh, meetings. In fact, I think they have another one today. Uh, but they're trying to determine what the next energy policy legislation is going to be for Vermont when the legislature comes back in January. They're writing the bills now, or at least setting the framework for writing the bills. And uh, they're discussing what should our renewable energy standard be moving forward. They're going to they're gonna change the law. And one of the things, they, they had two studies, one done by the uh, uh, Department of Public Service and the other by an outside group uh, called Brattle, Brattle, I, I think it's just Brattle, like share, but but uh, <laughs> but both of them uh, were looking at uh, the benefits to Vermont. And if you hear the advocates for you know going to renewable energy, electrify everything, uh, you know, lower our car- carbon footprint, it's like, well, you get these billions of dollars of benefits for Vermont. Yeah, it's going to cost a ton of money up front, and it's going to be really expensive, but you get billions of dollars of benefits in return down the road. Down the road, uh, but. Most of those billions of dollars of benefit are tied up in this thing called the social cost of carbon, which is really it's a made up number. I mean, if you if you read in depth about what is the social cost of carbon, how is it determined? It's like, well, when the temperature gets higher, then our work productivity drops. So we're counting that drop in product or the increase in productivity from stopping the temperature from dropping as X number of dollars. And that is applied to the social cost of carbon. Uh, during the Obama administration, they calculated the social cost of carbon, I think, 40, $42, $43 um, a ton. In uh, the Trump administration, it was $3 to $5. And in the, the Biden administration, now it's like 50, 55 bucks or something like that. But they're talking about jacking it up to like 150 bucks, And it, it, it's not a real number. But if even if it were a real number, what what came out in these two studies is that the benefits don't accrue to Vermonters. They accrue globally. Right. So the amount of, of actual financial benefit that Vermonters will get from implementing these policies like the Global Warming Solutions Act are pretty darn small uh, for a couple of reasons. One is we're a tiny state. 
And when you reduce our carbon footprint, it really has no impact on on us, right? And it has no impact on the world because we're too small. And what one of the guy, what the guy from Brattle uh, said is, what happens in China and India is what is really going to affect uh, Vermont's climate trends going mm-hmm. forward. It doesn't have anything to do with what you're doing here, and they're not lowering their carbon footprint in no, China no, and India. They're, they're, I mean, and, and China, China is building and putting online two coal plants a week. Yeah, two two coal fire power plants a, a week. week. And uh, just just to take this one step further, a lot of the the stuff that we buy uh, for lowering our carbon footprint, ostensibly uh-huh. the uh, you know the, the materials that go the into the electric vehicles, panels, the, the the solar uh-huh. panels or the materials that go into those, they're being manufactured with coal. Right, right. So it's <laughs> this is I, and I say it as a joke. I said it as a joke, but people started to think I was real because Elon Musk is just as crazy as I am, but just a lot smarter. I said he's taken ev- the middleman out of the entire Tesla operation. He now has a new Tesla where you back up and you shovel coal in the trunk <laughs> because ostensibly that's what we're doing. So, uh-huh. Rob, if they if this plan goes forward as expected or as it seems it's on the fast track to happen, who will pay the higher prices? Oh, Vermont! All Vermonters. Sorry, I'm sorry. All Vermonters are going to pay the higher price. But but does it fall more on a certain class of people? Who does? uh, Well, who? I know everybody's going to pay, but is there? Who pays the brunt of it? Well, I I think it's it's very regressive. Uh, So lower income people are going to end up paying more because because it's going to jack up the price of electricity. I mean, this is uh, if you look at what the legislature is doing, they really don't care about the cost of living for the average Vermonter because they're jacking up the cost to buy a car. They're saying you got to buy an electric vehicle. Electric vehicles are more expensive than internal combustion engine vehicles. They just are. Uh, Even with the subsidies, they're more expensive. I was going to say, even with the subsidies. So so you've got to go out and you've got to buy a more expensive car. You've got to buy more expensive appliances. Those appliances go into a home that is going to cost more for you to purchase. And people on the lower scale of the income spend more money on energy as a percentage of what they earn. Um, So if you have a higher electric bill, and you're going to get higher electric bills, uh, and you're going to get higher gas, gasoline, diesel bills as well, home heating oil because of uh, uh, the clean heat standard. Uh, it, all those costs fall on lower income people and the late adopters to these new technologies who aren't being subsidized. So how do Vermonters stop this from happening? Well, uh, I, I think so, so somebody said in the last segment that you had with Chief Murad about uh, elections have consequences and you've elected these people and, you know, you know, they're they're going forward with these programs, whether you like it or not. Uh, so that's how you stop them is you have to, you have to get people to run for office who believe something different and are going to implement different policies and, and change out the ones who were there. Have Republicans that have run made this like the staple issue that they should have to, to highlight it to voters so that they understand what the consequence is of these elections? Uh, to, do you think not, not to the extent that I, I wish they would have, um, I think that it's it's an issue, but I, you know one of the things that that uh, frustrates me about the Republicans is they they don't really advocate for the positions that they stand for. I mean, even even you know Governor Scott, I think he's done a pretty good job of saying, hey, you know, let let's veto these things. But I wish he would make a stronger case leading up to them, saying, hey, look, this is just a bad idea. We can't afford this. It's not going to work. Like in other words, the old Teddy Roosevelt. Bully pulpit, take it to the people. Yeah, yeah, you need you need to have people in the bully pulpit, but it, it, that goes down to the the Republicans on the committees as well, and you know in the Senate committees and in the House and on the floor. Uh, 
they put up some pretty good fights on the floor, but I don't see the op-eds, you know, showing up in the local papers. I don't see folks coming on your show to say, hey, you know, I got to alert my constituents and Vermonters around the state that this thing's coming down the pike. As much as we appreciate what you're doing, it can't be just you. No, it can't be just <laughs> and, me. Even though we greatly appreciate what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I am I'm dumbfounded. And to, to speak to the fact that, you know, um, I, I find it very concerning that, that uh, you know, I, I say it all the time, uh, President Pro Tem, Phil Baruth didn't even know how people pay for their health insurance, let alone how they probably operate um, outside of Chittenden County. And outside of Chittenden County, if you have a job, I would say 99% of the people have to get a vehicle to drive to their job. Yeah, no, no. Rural Vermonters are going to take such an insane hit. No, absolutely. And, And again, this is how it's regressive. A lot of people who can't afford to rent or buy in Burlington, live out in the country, and they can't afford the electric vehicle, so they're driving an internal combustion engine vehicle back and forth. And, you know, they're the the ones who are really going to get hit uh, by these policies. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi, good morning. Uh, I heard you talking about your heat pumps, and I thought I'd give you my own personal experience. We, We did bite on the heat pump, and we put one in last June. And it cooled our home very well, replaced three window ACs, but it did not save a dime in electricity. Uh, And then this fall, we tried using the heat side of the heat pump, and we monitored our daily use of electricity, and it tripled. And it wasn't very warm. So uh, the heat pump craze, yeah. Works good for air conditioning. Doesn't save you any electricity. I can tell you that. Thank Rob, you. What about heat pumps? We bought a heat pump, and it it's sort of like what the caller said. It's done good for cooling our house. We had we were able to get rid of the couple air conditioners, but and and actually, and we could turn the heat on in the fall before it gets really cold. Has has the technology advanced? They keep claiming that it's advanced, where you're going to be able to heat your home even when it gets down to zero. Has that happened? Well, from what I've seen from the testimony, I've watched a lot of the testimony in the uh, in the in the committees when they were t- passing the bills. They had a lot of people who install these things come in and say, "Look, if, if you've got a well insulated modern home uh, and the right latest technology heat pump, it's going to work for you in Vermont, or it can work for you in Vermont." But a lot of what people are buying are not those things, and a lot of what people have in terms of, of uh, you know, insulation and m- modern housing isn't ready for the heat pump. So people are putting the wrong technology into the wrong spaces, and they're the ones who are getting uh, sort of the results that the, that the caller just said. Oh, it's not actually heating my house. But, you know, we, like you, Kurt, we, we try to heat pump. It's not in our house. It's in an office over our garage. Uh, we're going to see see how it goes. It's done a good job cooling, but uh, it's supposed to get in the twenties tonight. Yeah. So we'll see. Do you do you have any thoughts, Rob, on the on the issue that was in front of the Burlington City Council just recently in the last couple of weeks or so, which was the district heat, where they will use the McNeil generating plant uh, with steam for the hospital? It was a split vote at the City Council, and of course, there's you know that issue, which is biomass. Yep. And some people think it's great, and other people think it's part of the problem. Well, I, I I sit back and I, it's kind of amusing to me because you know you watch the all the people in the legislature they they're these hyper environmentalists where it's like you've got to get an electric car, you've got to get a heat pump, you can't do this. But then they, it, they're, they're, a lot of them are legislators from Burlington, 
And the McNeil plant keeps the lights on here. <laughs> and it is you're you're burning trees. You're 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 burning wood. So I li- I've listened to the the folks argue that hey, this is this biomass stuff is really bad for the environment. It's worse than all, that plant according to them is worse than all the cars in the state over the course of the year putting pollution you know CO2 into into the air. Uh but all of a sudden, all the Burlington politicians who are so pro-environmental, well, you know, <laughs> let's not argue about <laughs> these these little Those things. Goofy so, semantics. so, you know, I, from my perspective, it's like you need that plant because it keeps people alive right. in, in, in wintertime. And, you know, it's good for the, the forest, forestry people. But if you're really, truly an environmentalist, yeah, that, that deal should never have gone through. And that there's some hypocrisy going on there, and it's and and you look at the players involved in this, and it's it's more than hypocrisy; it's a little bit of the crony crony socialism. And and aren't they the same people that are going to be one of the very few people in Vermont who have uh, clean heat chips to sell to the dirty folks? Oh, Burlington well, Electric. Oh, oh, that, yeah, Burlington Electric. Well, they've got this arbitrage thing. I, I wish I understood it better than I do. Where they have these cheap. Uh, renewable energy credits that they buy because we're allowed to have uh, from McNeil and yeah, and, something and, to do with hydro Quebec. And then they trade them for expensive yeah, and uh, sell them energy back. credits. And there's this whole arbitrage profiting thing. And as, as more people go electric, that, that scam's going to go away because everybody will be using their electric renewable, so-called renewable energy credits for themselves because yeah. they need to because they, yeah. they have 100% renewable energy standards that they have to live up to so they can't sell their their renewable activity to somebody else. We're talking to Rob Roper and the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline's open, 888 Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi, good morning. I just talked to you about my heat pump experience and I forgot to mention that we have a, a house built in 2018 that had every energy standard imaginable built into it. So, uh, it, you know, and we didn't, we, we, as far as heating, uh, like I said, it wasn't, it, it, it didn't work well and it's very expensive. So I just said, we do have a modern house that is well insulated and the latest and greatest heat pump and, uh, it ain't happening. Wow. Thank well, well that, that's dis- that's a discouraging report. <laughs> it is. But that's reality, you know. Yeah. And, 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 yes, I've seen studies about these five-to-one yields on these new this new heat pump technology, but not all heat pumps are created the same. The five-to-one yield is years and years away from being mass-produced, particularly available for the states. Uh, and yet it just feels like we're just we're jamming this down the throats of of the normal population, the regular folks, uh, to what end? It it just seems like there's just all this money that is being wasted, really. Yeah, no, no. Waste is is a is a good way of putting it. There's a there's a ton of waste going on in this, it, and it it there there's a lot of crony crony socialism going on. Uh, there are people making a lot of money out of this. They're they're sort of like putting. Uh, the squeeze on the on the uh, the fuel dealers, the traditional fuel dealers, and mm-hmm. uh, basically making them pay tribute uh, to uh, another facet of their you know their competitors in, in the electric business. Yeah. Okay, you know they're putting a gun to their head and say you know hand over the cash to to our political allies. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. I'd like to thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. What I'd like to ask is in reference to that. American Clean Air Standard Act, 
in reference to the oil dealers having to bid on the on the price of oil that they're going to be able to turn around and charge the customer. The, the point I want to make is the oil comes in on the rails. The oil dealers pick it up, load their trucks. So where does the bidding come in? I'll let you answer the question. Thank you. Well, the obligated party is is what it's called is is whoever owns the fuel when it crosses the state line. So, and this is again where I, I think that it, it's a really unfair policy because some some people uh, will cross a state line uh, to New Hampshire or New York and buy their. These are mostly the smaller dealers, from what right. I understand too, and they'll fill up their trucks that way and they'll bring it back they're obligated parties so those little mom and pop organizations when they bring their truck back across a straight line have to buy these uh carbon credits uh in order to to sell um if you buy a lot of the people who deal in burlington it comes in across the rail from a big producer Mm -hmm. and then in that case it's the big producer who is the obligated party and you fill up your truck in burlington the person who's filling up their truck in Burlington doesn't have to buy the credit, so that creates an uneven playing field between these smaller these smaller dealers, and it's it, it's really a it's way complicated, yeah, and it's it's uh, and, and b it's unfair. It sounds like uh, an entrepreneurial uh, criminal could maybe turn it into a boondoggle, like for the Kennedys with um, prohibition. Yeah, I mean, that's what people say is that we're just going to, you know, buy our stuff in New Hampshire and bring it across the state lines. And if you're not uh, and if you're not going to um, police every access road that crosses that <laughs> the right. Connecticut River, the that's New Hampshire border, it's... Uh, then you're not going to be able to enforce this. No. Rob, let's get one more phone call in for you before the 830 break. If we can. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi. Um, I would like to make one comment about the heat pumps. I have a couple of them, but I was notified by my insurance company that they weren't covered by my fire insurance, so I had to pay an extra $100 to have an add-on to make sure my my heat pumps were covered on my fire insurance for my house. Oh, wow. I, had, I, I hadn't heard that one, I, but that, that you know what? Another unintended consequence that, again, drives up the cost of living for regular Vermonters. And it makes no sense to me. None. None whatsoever. Um, Can you stay after the break? Yeah. 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 Okay, good. Well, that's good. I saw you guys passing notes over there. I didn't know (laughs) what was going on. So Rob's going to stay after the break. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to check in with Fox News. Amanda's got the headlines. We drive with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620 WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody, where Rob Roper has graciously agreed to stay on longer than I had him scheduled for. So thank you, Rob. And we need to get to another column that Rob's written uh, about voter fraud. But well, first, we've got somebody that's been waiting on hold for a while. So we'll go to the phones. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Uh, good morning. Um, so the, uh, the green energy and hydro uh, were kind of turned down by the Vermont State Public Board. And the Law Conservation Law Foundation also said that they shouldn't go with green pneumonia and create their own energy at global foundries. Now, when they come to us in 2025, and a lot of the CEOs voted for this and legislators, 
Will we be able to use that corruption in court to say that we don't have to pay them because they are the ones that initiated this problem? <laughs> well, I, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know what, exactly what the defense will be and what they'll bring up. But you, you raise a good point, caller, uh, that the Global Warming Solutions Act does say if we don't meet uh, the the goal, well, they're not goals, they're mandates set out for uh, greenhouse gas reduction, anybody can sue the state. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Mark Higley, representative from, from Lowell, Vermont, uh, in the House, put put forward a bill last year that said, uh, hey, let's, we're going to remove this this lawsuit provision because we're not going to make that. And, and, you know, even the advocates are out there say, oh, we're never going to make these goals. They're, they're just unrealistic. Uh, but they're, you know, your, your legislature set you up to pay these legal bills. And they put the that they did that on purpose, right? To put the proverbial oh, yeah. the gun to the head, sort of, yeah, uh, to say, look, we now have to do this, right? Because yeah. otherwise, we can get sued. Yeah, otherwise, we can get sued. But you know, or you can get sued. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're not paying the bill. I mean, the taxpayer is going to get you know get the bill for for the for the legal fees on both sides. They're, we're going to pay to defend it, and when we lose the case, because we will lose the case, we will pay the legal bills of. Whoever brings the case, which will probably be the Conservation Law Foundation, maybe VPIRG. Uh, you know, Conservation Law Foundation sued Massachusetts in this, and they've already said, "Yeah, we're, we're geared up, we're yeah. ready to go. If you don't meet the goal, we're going to sue you." Yeah. Uh, so our legislature, again, you know, elections have consequences. You picked somebody to go represent you, who put you on the hook to be sued by anybody. And it's not too late to call. I mean, they do represent you. I mean, whether yeah. whether it's an election year or not, this is the funny thing is like, well, you know, it's going to be an election year. So this isn't going to happen and that's going to happen. But but really, let's let's just face it. This is about to come to roost and and you pick up the phone and say, look, you got to do something. It doesn't hurt to call your local rep, even if you didn't vote for. Them. No. And, you know, even if they don't listen to you, at least you've got a marker in the ground. Hey, this person isn't listening to me they right. may be nice maybe they remembered my name at town meeting day maybe they gave me a cookie yeah uh but <laughs> but when i called and said you hey. know don't don't make me buy an electric vehicle that i can't afford and don't want uh they they uh, told me to stuff it right <laughs> all right and on that note <laughs> let's move to another article it's just as 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 interesting as this has been and it has been um but you have another article rob which now, this is going to really, <laughs> you mean, you're going to have people saying Rob Roper is an election denier, obviously. But the, the, this article is entitled, More Vote Fraud That Never Happens Happened Again and Again and Again. Tell, talk to me, t- tell us about the this article and what cases you're referring to. Yeah, no, well, there, there's been a number of vote, vote fraud cases in the news lately. And you can read this. I just give myself a plug. It's robertroper.substack.com if you want to read my columns. And the name of it is, is, is um, Behind the Lines, Rob Roper on Vermont Politics. Uh, and, and this article is it's a couple of articles, actually. This is the latest. But the, it started with Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, there's a mayoral election there. And they had videotape of a, uh, a woman who was a member of the Democratic Committee uh, in, the, in the city was stuffing – uh, those boxes, those the ballot, drop boxes, the drop yeah. boxes with absentee ballots. And uh, what they investigated, they found out that this woman had been using state lists of people who were on low income housing, a low income housing list to target people for absentee ballot votes. She was going, she was filling them out for these people. In some cases, some cases, probably just having them sign, making sure that they're voting for the right person, collecting the absentee ballots and bringing them back. And uh, that 
election, that primary as a Democratic primary election for mayor was thrown out, just thrown out by a judge. Say it's, it's invalid because of the amount of voter fraud that was taking place. Just one person, just one person was, was uh, enough to, to change an election that had something like 9,000 total votes. Um, so like a two, two member, you know, house seat here, here in Vermont, um, it was thrown, thrown out. And then you've got these other cases that, that have come down the pike since then, you know, uh, in, in Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, another Democratic mayor primary where uh, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, they were paying people $10 a pop to vote for their guy early in early voting. And, and how they figure that out? I, I, I cite this one because they did it. They weren't voting absentee. They were voting at the clerk's office early, and the people were going in and casting their ballot, and then asking the election officials, "Where's my ten bucks?" Where's my, which is sort of a red flag <laughs> yeah. that would go up. Like, what do you mean your ten bucks? I was mean, promised ten dollars. Why are you doing that? that? So all the election officials then have they've testified to this. They've signed affidavits that this was going on, uh, and then they looked at, at street cameras. That, that showed the guy outside paying the 10 bucks to the, to these people who are voting. But again, I cite this one because this is why it's so important to have people vote in person at, you know, I, I don't care if it's necessary on, on election day, but you show up at the clerk's office with an election official there. You fill out your ballot in secret. Mm-hmm. Nobody's watching who you're filling it out for, but somebody's making sure that you're doing this without pressure. Uh, because were these people stupid? Yes. I mean, I, where do I get my bribe money, uh, official? Uh, but that's how they got caught. And because these people got caught, it led them to the person who was running this scam. And that's how they caught that guy. And it's because it was done in person. But but these things do happen. And in Vermont, we don't have that requirement. Well, I was going to say, you're, you're citing some cases from around us nearby, but not in Vermont. And in Vermont, of course, we'd heard from election officials, whether it was former Secretary Condos or the current secretary now, Sarah Copeland-Hansis, um, that, and we now have that everybody gets mailed a ballot, whether they ask for one or not, what previously used to be, if you if you asked for one, you got, you got it yeah. sent to you. But now it's everybody gets one. You might be dead. Maybe you're still getting one. But they have said that, look, in Vermont, we we don't have any problems. Yeah, they say. Oh, well, they, no, they're very careful to say there's no evidence right. of voter fraud, and that that's a very tricky qualifying statement that most people aren't going to pick up on. Because uh, which gets me to the next case that we have, which was in, in Lawrence, Lawrence, Massachusetts. I don't have my notes in front of me, but and and they got a, a videotape of a woman just walking into an apartment building mailroom and taking ballots out of mailbox. And, and leaving with them. And the way that this person, well, actually, the person did not get caught. But the, the way the fraud was, was detected is the guy, one of the people whose ballots was stolen, shows up to vote. And the election official says, well, you've already voted. You voted absentee. Um, and he said, no, I didn't. Well, sorry. It says here that you voted. So, you know, here's your sticker. Get out of here. Right. And he went back and he, he looked at the video camera from his lobby, his apartment lobby, and he saw he caught this person doing it. Now the person is wearing a, a hat and a mask and and all the stuff. So I, I doubt that this person is going to get caught. Uh, but but that's what it takes to create evidence of fraud. And the Secretary of State from Massachusetts says, "Well, there's two. We've 
we've got evidence of two incidences of this because there's another woman who same thing. She showed up, said you voted. No, I didn't. But she doesn't have the video. So it's not clear whose vote is going to count, the fraudster or this or this woman in that case. Because, yeah, there's evidence of two cases. But I am telling you, this is not a case of a, a stranger randomly walking in off the street into an apartment building, taking the absentee ballot out of the mailboxes and just doing this once yeah. and voting just this one guy. Mm-hmm. So there's evidence that it happened twice, but this is clearly something systematic is going on. Somebody is probably being paid to follow the postman around and take these ballots out. And, you know, at, when you've got elections, particularly primary elections, where, you know, you're lucky if you get 25% of the voting population to do it, odds are nobody's noticed that that ballot's gone. They never showed up to vote themselves. So there's no catch. And, the, the, the election officials are all oblivious to what's happening. Absentee ballot mm-hmm. voting and, and ballot harvesting, to me, has always been rife for, with opportunity for somebody to be playing games. Yeah, and, and which gets me to the last case that I, I discussed. It was a, this actually took place in 2020, but the woman was just convicted. Uh, and it's in Iowa, and this is a Republican. So this is not a nonpartisan or a, a partisan issue. This Both sides can do this. But this was the wife of a candidate who is a recent Vietnamese immigrant who took advantage of other recent Vietnamese immigrants who didn't speak English, didn't understand the voting language, got their absentee ballots, filled them out for them, told them that they could, you know, you know, parents could sign for their children. She could sign for them. And uh, she, and she was just convicted on 52 counts. So this one person voted 52 times, 52 at least two times, at least, yeah. at least. And, and, you know, I, I I'm not sure that exactly. Uh, oh, she got caught again because the kids whose ballots were stolen and signed for by somebody else showed up to vote and um, were told you've already voted. And I guess they had to do the sleuthing yeah. to figure out exactly what happened. But the, it's not the election officials who are flagging this stuff. They, they don't have the, 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 the tools to do it. And Vermont, there, there are really no tools uh, to, to, to catch any of this stuff. I mean, you can, you can pay somebody – the 10 bucks in their home or in their work, you know, hey, hey, you know, if you're, my boss said he'd give me 10 bucks to fill out my ballot for me and look at it, you know, and, and see, yeah, you voted for the right person. Well, the other thing, too, is they don't even tell you when the ballots are coming. That, that You know, just the, the way the whole system works, like even if they just said, look for your ballot, it's going to be in your box today. And if it's not there, then then as a as a as a society, we could say, hey, my my ballot's missing. But yeah. it, but but it they, they don't even tell you they're coming. You don't know when they're going to be there. But uh, and, but the how closely thing. are people paying attention to this stuff? Even people no. who pay closely, close attention to this. I mean, the guy who paid the people. They, I mean, Secretary Condos, when he was secretary, I heard him on this show. Oh, yeah, there's a $10,000 fine and a year in jail, and that's enough to keep people honest and not do These people who are asking that the clerk for their $10 bribe for having voted don't know what the election laws are. They right. don't know that there's a fine. They probably thought that, hey, this is just how it goes. <laughs> I, I voted. I'm supposed to get paid. And the, fact that no, and the fact well, that nobody ever finds it doesn't mean that it's not happening because yeah. they don't look for it or they can't find it. Yeah, there, there, there's no way to, you know, in Vermont, there's no way to get the evidence of that these things happen because it doesn't happen in the clerk's if office. If you're going you to have everybody getting a ballot, which I am not in support of, no. you better have some hard rules in place. Yeah, and there, there's none. There's no, no voter ID in Vermont. There's, I mean, they've really removed every aspect of voting from the, the transparency that you get when you show up in the clerk's office to, to cast your ballot. Um, you don't have to go through the clerk to register. Anybody can register you. I mean, 
it used to be that you didn't have to request the absentee ballot. Now they just send it out to everybody. So there's there's no, you know, never oh. let any good crisis go to waste. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. As in the pandemic. You know, uh, sadly, it comes down to the definition of stealing an election. Stealing an election, in my definition of stealing an election, is definitely different than the Democrats. But I, I recently read that uh, a court somewhere in the country just recently ruled that mail-in ballots have to be counted no matter when they're received or if they were even received or mailed on time, as long as they showed up somewhere, they have to get counted. And finally, I might be the outlier on this one here in Vermont, but I think a campaign activist scouring the hallowed halls of our local colleges, getting non-resident college students to vote, is stealing an election. We know that, I don't know if it still does, but we know that that used to happen big time back in the day. Yeah, no, I mean, you could go through a college campus with your $10 bills and, hey, weed money. There you <laughs> you know? go. Yeah, let me see if, give me your absentee ballot. Let me let me see how it works. I mean, these these things can happen. And, you know, when you know that, that this is, it's so easy to do. It's so hard to get caught. There's so little interest in even acknowledging the problem. Uh and getting somebody elected is big business. And, and getting somebody elected is big business. I mean, I, I mean, you think that the ethics kind of stuff. Well, yeah, I'll rip up somebody's lawn sign. I will, you know, I'll put out something that says, you know, make sure to vote on Wednesday. <laughs> you know, uh, that the ethics sort of stops. Oh, well, I'm not going to take that absentee ballot out of somebody's mailbox. Or three of them showed up in my mailbox for the people who lived here 10 years ago. Right. And, you know, or there could be a, or I, uh, the, we got to go to a break in a second yeah. bit, but there also could be a place where if you knew that one particular area, all the votes were coming from that area were based on data were heavy one way or the other, you could say those ballots could just disappear and we're going to pick up about 80% of those on our side. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, there, uh, there was another case of somebody stealing the ballots out of the ballot box, the, the drop box, you know, cause yeah, if it, it was in an area that you, let's say it was 80% vote Democrat in this area. Or, or vice versa. 80% voted Republican. And let's, okay, let's just have all those ballots, ballots disappear. It's Route 15 Jericho, Dorset Street, South Burlington, and on the web at snowflakechocolate.com. You're listening to The Morning Drive with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and continuing our discussion with Rob Roper, who writes a column called "Behind the Lines." Rob Roper on Vermont politics, and so uh, Rob again, election officials in Vermont. I guess in the Secretary of State's office, we're due to probably have the Secretary of State back on again soon. But they do sort of. It seems like it's sort of poo-pooed that this is that we, you know, there's never been. And as you mentioned, they, they don't say there's no problems. They say there's no evidence. Yeah. And you have, but you've been in a committee where you've heard city clerks, people that are in the trenches doing the work, right? Some city clerks have said there really is no way for us to. Yeah. To, yeah. No. And in fact, I did it back when I was with the Ethan Allen Institute, I did a, a 10 or 11 minute video of a lot of the testimony from the clerks. And it was, you know, well, if somebody, if I get somebody's mail, 
mail-in ballot in my mailbox from somebody who moved to Tennessee three years ago and had the apartment before me, and I fill it out and send it in, can you catch me? Uh, no, we, 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 we can't detect that and catch that. And in fact, the irony is that the only way you get somebody off the, the voter roll is if they don't vote for a couple of cycles and then are challenged. But if you're voting illegally for them, they stay on right. and it's harder to get them off. Um, and, you know, same thing, you know, if, if you've got a parent uh, or, or with dementia or something, you're filling it out. I mean, that that's one of the things that I, when I worked on a campaign years ago, I had a one of the people who worked with me on the campaign as a volunteer was a, a nurse in a nurse in a nursing home with the Alzheimer's 100% voting rate from the Alzheimer's people uh, who are wing, not wing. don't have the mental yeah they don't have the tragically don't have the mental faculties anymore to and and you know make do, their own choices do they have a right to vote yes they have a right to vote does somebody have the right to vote for them right. no, no they, they don't and, and and that that's where it gets tough and then when you talk about it publicly, I mean, I got I got uh, chastised um, from both sides uh, when I said, well, you know, we own an apartment building in Middlebury. There are ballots laying on the floor. Uh, oh, no, no. We did the research and there weren't that many mailed to that that address, according to the, the, the mailing list from the town clerk. And I'm like, I should have taken pictures of it with my phone because then it became he said, she said. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there were there was a dozen ballots laying on the floor. For three apartments, okay, yeah, they're just laying there, and uh, I, I just, and, and when when they claim, oh no, this doesn't happen. It, it, it is so important to keep the system, the people believing the system is working, that that it it, it crosses political lines. If you're if you're if you're in politics, uh, you've got to make sure that the system is perceived to be tight. Oh, it has to be tight, especially in Vermont, where we everybody talks about election denial. You talk about presidential elections, but the elections that concern me are the ones in Vermont, where they're often determined by two votes, four votes, ten votes. But Rob, one of the things that we heard, and as I mentioned last segment, I said, "Leave no, let no crisis go to waste," and that was the pandemic, because you know during the pandemic, right, everybody couldn't be in the voting place, so they had to install these new voting rules but i knew instinctively at the time they were not going to go away but what they will say to you is look voter turnout we want people to go vote and so with this by mailing everybody a ballot it the voter turnout percentages go up but my contention is that what really makes voter turnout go up more than that is interesting election races rather than getting a ballot sent to you uh for example the, the voting goes up when it's Trump's on the ballot, good or bad, yeah. because he you either love or hate him. And you could also have a case where the voting goes up because, you know, I've got two kids in college and they don't care about these elections anymore because they're focused on their, their new states. But I've got these two ballots here. So, hey, young people are voting. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? They might not know how they're voting, but they're voting. <laughs> they, they, they don't know that they voted. They don't know who they voted for. But, hey, the statistics are there. So we give ourselves a thumbs up in the Secretary of State's office. Um, it's Yeah, it's, it's it, it has to be tight. It has to because when you see, you know, what, what does happen is, oh, candidate A is ahead on election night. But then you count these absentee ballots and all of a sudden there's a big swing one way or the other, it really does well, undermine the confidence people have that this is fair. Rob, can you can you have, make you know advocate for your concerns about the system as you've done in your articles 
and have it be that you're still not an election denier. Like by saying this for a lot of people on the other side, they'll say, oh, my God, Rob Roper is an election denier. He wants Donald Trump reinstalled as president. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not a particularly a big fan of Donald Trump. I, <laughs> well, and, and again, you know, my focus isn't so much on presidential elections and different states have, you know, some states have very tight election laws and some states have looser election laws. My focus is on Vermont. And our our race is here, and ours is a sieve. Ours, I think, we get an F. Mm-hmm. I think whatever rating agency looks at these things, I mean, it's it's terrible. But here's what's interesting: just <laughs> like using the racist card, it's been positioned in everybody's mind now because Donald Trump yeah. denied it. When Stacey Abrams denied that she wasn't the governor of of Georgia, people didn't scream and yell, "She's an election denier." Yeah. So so again, it's it's like using the R word racism or or now the new one is is going to be white supremacist uh, yeah. uh, election denier. Is, yeah, no, is, it, it has definitely made it harder uh, to bring attention to this because it is so associated with Donald Trump. But actually, before the before Trump's election, I had some people on the left who were hacking on me, said, oh, uh, you know, I said, this is how he's going to do it. He's going to say, look, none of these laws ensure a fair election. We should want laws on both sides that everybody feels inspired by our elections. We'll be back tomorrow right here on News Talk WVMT Burlington. ABC News. I'm Sherry Preston. The ceasefire between Israel and Hamas is holding and could be extended as talks continue on bringing home even more of those held by Hamas in Gaza for more than 50 days. In Tel Aviv, here's ABC's Matt Gutman. At least 69 hostages have been freed by Hamas since the ceasefire began. In exchange, Israel releasing 150 Palestinian prisoners. Some, the Israeli government says, convicted of violent crimes. Others were being held without charges. Back in Gaza, the temporary pause in fighting, revealing the ruins of what was once a city of over a million people. Homes destroyed. The UN saying there are over a million people in